Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, hello, Seattle. Hello, Puget Sound, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, advanced sommelier, your weekend wine guy, and your samurai of sake. I'm super excited about tonight's show. It's Saturday night. It's sake night right here on 570 KVI. I have the amazingly beautiful Jennifer Ross. Not amazingly. It's unbelievably beautiful. And a very talented sake expert for Young's Market Company, one of the big distributors here in the Pacific Northwest. And uh, actually, this is a prelude. Coming up this Wednesday on June 21st is uh, Sake Fest in Portland. It's... Uh, well, it's just called the 7th Annual Sake Fest in Portland, and we've got uh, international and local sake, because Oregon actually makes some sake, as does California. Uh, and we're going to taste some sake, learn about sake, and uh, get you guys to dig sake, because it's super tasty. And I have not had a hangover once on sake, but twice. And uh, <laughs> that's a joke. Hey, Jennifer Ross, welcome to Happy Hour. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. So so glad you're here. Pleasure to meet you. And you, uh, um, you are got in the biz early on. You're from California, you came to Seattle, and you saw all these Asian people, and you said, ah, I need to turn, learn about sake. Is that right? Uh, something like that. I did. Um, I started out in the business, um, gosh, almost 10 years ago. Um, came from a spirits background in California. Moved up to Seattle working for Cooper Spirits Company, St. Germain. Ah, right. Uh, and then... Um, uh, Young's Market Company had a sake position open, and I knew I loved to drink it. So long story short, I did a couple of interviews and was lucky enough to get the position, and it's been a continued education ever since. Just like wine, just like the world of spirits and beer, of course, we have new vintage and new producers, new regions, new laws, old yeah. laws, and of course, opportunities to uh, try new food and new pairings such as sake. Um, a lot of people here in America probably have had sake, and they probably had it hot. Yes. Um, before we talk about temperature and things like that, let's just talk about what is sake. All right. So sake is, um, it's actually a brewed beverage. It's brewed more similar to beer. Um, everybody calls it rice wine. It's drank like wine. It's brewed like beer, but it's sake. Um, sake is always made from five ingredients, uh, water, rice, yeast, and this thing called koji. And koji is kind of what malt is to beer. I'll get to the fifth ingredient, I promise. <laughs> I stopped short there, but I want to explain koji. So koji is basically the enzyme or the spore that turns the starch in the rice into fermentable sugar, because we have to create that sugar to create alcohol. And koji's green, isn't it? Koji is black for sake. Ah, uh, so, it's black. Yeah, yeah so. it's always dark. <laughs> Yes. And it looks different because you go, oh, what happened to my rice? It looks like it's molding. Right. In a way that it kind of is, but in a good way. But in a good way. Like the way that Pasteur found penicillin or whoever did. I forget. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, do, I don't know the answer to that, but uh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Penicillin was mold, turned so. into a good thing. And um, when did this idea of sake production start? This, oh gosh, it started in Japan. We kind of go back to about 1,200 years ago. So it started 5,000 years ago. It originated in China. When it was brought over to Japan, It um, that's when it started really becoming uh, refined, clear. Uh, yes, they kind of um, have just been working on it ever since um, to the level that it is today. So I love it. So all great things do come from China. <laughs> Pasta, right? Exactly. Uh, uh, fireworks. Yeah. And uh, sake in some terms. So uh, you mentioned five ingredients. So we have water, yeast. 
yeast, rice, and this koji spore, which helps uh, turn all the fermentable sugars into, well, oh, turn all the, the starches. starches into fermentable sugars. Yep. What's ingredient number five? Ingredient number five is um, something that they call brewer's alcohol if they're going to make a style of sake called honjozo. And brewer's alcohol is a neutral grain spirit, either made from rice or sugarcane, and they add that to the sake to lighten the body and bring out the aromatics of the sake. Interesting, because yeah. I would think it's just a six-pack of Paps to Brewer's uh, alcohol, right? No. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> just, I need a little refreshment. Um, interesting that they do call it a brewery, because uh, the Japanese term for a sake house is a kura, right? Kura, yes. And that means brewery? It does. It means sake brewery. And, and wh- why do you think they have this idea of brewing versus you know, crushing grapes and making wine. Well, because sake, it's made from rice and it's a grain. It's a grain. It's a grain. So, yep. So we have to create that sugar in order to create the alcohol. Um, Sake is the only beverage where there's a multiple parallel fermentation happening at the same time in the same tank, um, starch to sugar, sugar to alcohol. So sake will ferment up to about 18 to 20% alcohol by volume. Yes. But generally water's added to bring it down to an average of around 15 to 17%. Oh, I can live with that. That's the 1% we're talking about. So, yeah, smidge higher than wine. Well, maybe not some of Washington wine these days, but yeah. Yeah, and so does sake production take uh, place all over the islands of Japan? It does. Um, Not so much in the south because it's warmer, um, and you want to brew sake in the winter and when it's cold. Uh, Because you want it to be a slow process, right, to create some nuance and complexity? Absolutely. Because the warmer it is, the harder the yeast are. They're like all excited. Yep, they're just, they're propagating faster. Propagating Yeah, is is that a good word? So they're partying. They're partying and multiplying faster. Yeah. yeah, and then if the yeast multiply too fast, then it just you know makes really bad, harsh flavors for sake, and it ruins the batch. So right. you want a really slow, cold, controlled fermentation with sake. Right, because you can get different. There's a there's like seven or eight different kind of alcohols right out there, and you've got the jet fuel, which we actually use for jets. That's part of alcohol, <laughs> sure. and we've got the alcohol funny cars. But then we've got uh, wood alcohol and rubbing alcohol, and we've got the ethyl alcohol that we like to drink. Right, and we typically like the, what's called the hearts. And so when you brew or when you ferment too hot, you get a lot of the fusel stuff because it's just like fire water. But here in sake, um, when we think about Japan and a mild, a milder, because uh, we're talking about the yeast, something will die. Nothing can live in alcohol past a certain percentage. It just, you know, nothing's lived yet. Right. Not sure. Even, yeah, certainly my not liver has not <laughs> lived. Um, but what's interesting about sake is that there there are so many different breweries, and they're positioned in places that have fresh water. That's very true. So the water source is a huge component with sake brewing. Um, to some brewers, it's the most important ingredient of the four. Um, they always want to be by a fresh water source, whether it's coming from the mountains or the bay, um, an underground riverbed. Um, but Hard water versus soft water is going to play to the mouthfeel of the sake, um, how much minerality the sake has. Um, so, yeah, water is—it um, makes up 80% of the finished product of sake. It's right. Water. When you think about less than 20% of alcohol, the rest is water. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's very much like uh, the distillers in Scotland. And the term glen obviously means a, uh, a water source, a river or creek in Scotland. So we have Glen Ellen, Glen Fittick, Glen Morangi, oh. et cetera. All that translates. So we think about how sake puts... Uh, it, perspective in the world. We have distilleries next to rivers and water sources in Scotland. We have breweries next to water sources in Japan. Yes. And of course, uh, kind of the same thing um, in uh, back old country when they're making moonshine because they needed water to move the paddle to 
mash the grain which went into the still oh. to make their moonshine. Got it. That's okay. it. How about that? See, everybody's the same. That's it's. <laughs> yep, all the alcohol. We're one happy world. <laughs> so when you think about sake, um, there are a host of different labels, and they've got these characters. But what's what I find so fun about sake is that they've got some really sweet romantic names. They do. The Snow Wanderer. Now, that might not be romantic nor sweet because I'm thinking he got so hammered he's wandering out in the snow by himself. It could be something <laughs> like that. <laughs> um, but have you heard some names? What are some of the names of sake that you might remember? Oh, goodness. Uh, well, funny about your story right now or your comment was uh, we have one called Wandering Poet, which is a Junmai Ginjo that's a wandering poet. It's an homage to the old Chinese poet, Li Po, and he was known for drinking bottles of sake and writing 100 poems. But um, one of the owners of the Importer Vine Connections told me that when they were bringing the sake to the U.S., it, the kanji literally read drunken poet, and they wouldn't let him register it into the U.S. as drunken poet, so they had to come up with a more poetic name. That is poetic. <laughs> and ironically, uh, that's, that's one of the sakes that I had when I served at the Rainer Club. I was the director of Wanda Spirits. I had Beautiful. Wandering Poet. And I was trying to remember the other ones because it's like morning, dawn. Yes. Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> or up till dawn. I mean. So at pure dusk, uh, you know, uh, snow maiden. Um, snow maiden. Yeah, that's yes. another one. And, you know, we actually have um, a really great importer here with uh, Vine Connections and yes. some other. And how many different sakes are in your portfolio? Uh, right now, we probably have close to 200 sake in our oh. book. Really? Yes, with um, working with ten importers now with Young's wow. Market, and and they're and we're not the only distributor that's bringing in just great sake. It's, yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because when when I go out to dinner and I look at the sake menu, like oh man, I just drink it so fast, and it's like eighty bucks for a bottle. Like shoot, I don't drink <laughs> wine that fast, but. Um, there are different sized bottles. Why is that for sake? I mean, they, why, why do they got the big party bottle? You know, well, the big party bottle is the most common in Japan, the Ishobin 1.8 liter. Um, I think it's just the most cost effective. Um, and also, sake doesn't oxidize like wine. It's brewed like beer. Majority of sake is pasteurized twice. It's a very sturdy little beverage. So it makes sense for, by the glass, to do a 1.8 liter or a 720 because you open a bottle of sake and it's good for four to six weeks. Wow, not in my house. <laughs> no, I mean it wouldn't. It wouldn't last in most people's. But yeah, it's. I was wishing they could. You know, you've seen this uh, this new box wine craze, right? We've got or box keg wine, and we're talking mm -hmm. about quality wine going into this different packaging. I haven't really seen that translate to sake yet because the uh, the some of those big box sakes that I taste kind of have to be heated because otherwise they just uh -huh. are kind of gnarly. That, well, so it's or maybe they're sake. just gnarly when they're hot. Maybe they might be warming them too much and just cooking all of the flavors off of them and making the alcohol more prominent. Um, but a lot of the box sake that we use now in the U.S. is um, actually produced domestically, larger producers, but um, it's all seventy percent polished Junmai sake made with cow rose rice. Majority of domestic brewers uh, use cow yes. rose. So, and um, the brand or the uh, variety of rice used in Japan typically or is is actually. Um, you need to. It's required to use a certain grain of rice or certain style, a certain name. Well, um, if you're going to use uh, registered sake rice in Japan, and there's um, 80 to 100 different types of registered sake rice oh. currently in use today, um, but a lot of the breweries can al also use table rice. So they know if the table rice is going to be similar to sake rice as far as the starch content, but sake rice differs from the rice that we eat in that they grow the grains larger in size because they're going to polish part of the outside mm -hmm. away, and they get the starch concentrated in the center like the yolk of a hard-boiled egg because we need all that starch to turn to glucose to turn to alcohol. 
Okay, I like yeah. those analogies. Yeah. Quite interesting. So Calrose rice, which is a really great rice, it's got all that uh, um, comfort food in you, right? Sure. <laughs> yes. Can't go wrong with Very that. Very popular. Um, but it's certainly a, a more plump rice, too. It's a fatter grain, a more round grain, and uh, they, they call it it's a, the, the rose rice, Calrose or pearl rice. Um, do people eat this uh, sake rice, or is it more too expensive to eat because they're making sake? Expensive and doesn't taste very good because no. the starch content is so high, so it doesn't have a lot of those fats and proteins. that the out- All rice has fats and proteins on the outside, but sake rice has very little. So it doesn't. It really is just a starchy, um, you know, sticky. It's it's not very good to Is eat. there a number one sake in your book right now that people can go find and say, hey, if I want to find a sake, this is what I'm going to see, and this is a good... This is the oh, it's so uh, hard. It just it depends on the the price, and you know. Uh, is Wajimai your largest customer or your largest uh, Waj- retailer? Wajimai is pretty big. I, yes, I would say they are. Yeah, yeah. not Total Wine. I mean, because I've been to Total Wine, but I haven't seen a lot of quality sake over there. I I just probably have to go back and find your portfolio. They're doing okay. Yeah, no, they do. They have some good stuff, but it's a different animal, and I think Wajimaya being the premier Japanese market here in Seattle and um, in the greater Seattle area, they want to have the largest selection. Um, There's another great little sake bar who gets a lot of fun stuff that a lot of other retailers don't get called Sake Nomi in Pioneer Square. It's still there? He's still there, yeah. Same spot? Same spot. Same spot. Gosh, I've wandered those. (laughs) (laughs) Closed on Mondays, but open the rest of the week. I've wandered Pioneer Square on several occasions, and I I remember going down there back. This is coming on, I think, in 2009. It was like just right right at the the crisis. It was like he started this great shop, and it was like nobody was going anywhere. It's nice to know he's still around. He is. He's doing well. And he he must have had 150 sakes on the... He he has a good amount. Wajimaya is just it's big. They get the most, you know. But he gets um he has a great selection and he gets a lot of really special gems, namazakes, seasonal stuff that is limited. He'll get awesome. A lot. Well, we're going to talk more about the styles of sake and okay. what this whole idea of polishing rice means with uh, local sake expert with Young's Market Company, Jennifer Ross. She is. Uh, well, an expert, and she's got uh, six bottles of sake here. And when we come back from this break, we're going to start diving into some of these things, learn more about the process with uh, polishing rice, adding water, adding uh, alcohol, <laughs> or just drinking it, and how to drink it, and perhaps some special toast. So stick around, folks. We're going to be right back with Jennifer Ross of Young's Market Company right here on Happy Hour Radio. A Northwest original. Lars Larson, live weekdays, noon to 3. Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now, back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Ah, arigato. Domai arigato. I don't know too much Japanese, but I do know that I like sake, and I'm so excited. Uh, Hey, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. I've got uh, Miss Jennifer Ross, who is the uh, sake ambassador expert uh, for Young's Market Company here in Seattle. She's brought six sakes because we're uh, we're celebrating. We're pre-funkin'. Hey, we've got uh, Sake Fest Portland coming up this Wednesday. It's June 21st. It's down in the Portland Convention Center. Sorry, the Oregon Convention Center. Um, it's more than 
100-minute drink served with Japanese food. It's uh, 150 micro-brewed premium and rare sakes down there. It's this Wednesday, the 21st. Um, it's 5.30 to 9. I would suggest you take a half day, you jump on the train down there, and the train goes right by Oregon Convention Center, I think. Check it out before you get on that train. Um, but don't miss it. It's Sake Fest in Portland. It's this Wednesday. And uh, Jennifer, you've got uh, three sakes here. And when I think about sake, we talk about all these funny names. It sounds like a Transformer lineup. Um, mm-hmm. Ginjo, Dai Ginjo, uh, Junmai. Uh, what does that stuff mean? Well, so um, Dai Ginjo means that the sake, ha- the sake rice has been polished to a 50% polish. Now, what that means is that um, they polish the outside of rice, all sake rice, because uh, the fats and proteins give the sake harsh off flavors. So we need to mill away that outer husk and get to that pure starchy center. And the idea is with sake, the more they polish, the more refined, pretty, delicate, fruity, floral the sake gets. Okay, so we're going to start with Daiginjo, which you mentioned. Mm. Um, that's the top tier of premium sake where the rice has to be milled to a 50% polish or smaller. So that's how much of the rice remains after they polish. So when you say small, it means they could actually take away 60% of the grain they and can. leave only 40? They can. But but they typically don't. There's some out there. Um, yeah. they, you know, there's a debate on how much flavor it leaves the sake. What is it? Diminishing returns. So, you know, but they're so beautiful. I mean, they're just like ethereal is a word they used to describe these Daiginjo sake. Love ethereal. So uh, Daiginjo is the highest quality. Now, is there a Junmai Daiginjo? Is that something else? There is. Okay, before we get to that, let's taste this one. This is the the Daiginjo you brought. What's the name of this? This is, um, it is a Junmai Daiginjo. Okay, great. And it's Hakatsuru, Flight of the Crane, uh, made with a Hakatsuru Nishiki rice, which is a proprietary sake rice. Proprietary, like Monsanto. No. No. (laughs) (laughs) This is not a Monsanto rice. All right, so while we're talking about Junmai, what does the Junmai mean in Daiginjo? So Junmai means pure rice or pure rice brew. So going back to the four ingredients that we started with, rice, water, yeast, and koji, Junmai is the style that uh, of sake. Daiginjo is the polish. I see. So if you you couldn't, if you otherwise would be a Hanjozo it would just be a daiginjo. Da, I see. Daiginjo, so, because daiginjo can't be honjozo because it's a different polish. No, it, it can be. So, okay, so let me back up. So, junmai and honjozo are the two styles in which a brewer can brew sake. Junmai means pure rice brew. Honjozo means they've added that fifth ingredient, a little bit of brewer's alcohol. Then they want to polish the rice to 50% polish to label it a daiginjo. Typically, you don't see the word honjozo on a sake bottle. So, you can, if you don't see the word honjozo, like if this was just hakatsudu daiginjo, you can assume it's a little bit of that brewer's alcohol. I see. But because it's Junmai Daiginjo. Ah, so Junmai is the purity label kind of thing, the title, yeah, sure. right? More, yeah. A little more pure without chi- uh, shortcuts. I so, won't say cheating. I'll just say some shortcuts. The Honjozus are so good. I know some people feel that way, though. They're purists, Junmai purists, but I love drinking Honjozus. Well, they got, they've got, you've got 200 <laughs> in your portfolio, so we can find something for everybody. Uh, you saw this was called Crane. Cra- uh, Flight of the Crane. Flight of the Crane. Mm-hmm. Mm. How do you describe sake? So I, I always get it like it's uh think of a little bit of seven up but with an ice cube that's been in it for a while so it's a little more delicate flavored seven up but you get some of this melon um a hint of floral fruit and there's some funny little tang in there. How do you describe the kind of a yogurt tang or something? It can be yogurty um and it can be for lack of a better word, maybe a little funky, but it should be a good funky, <laughs> not a bad funky. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> um, sake is super subtle. Uh, it's hard to, you have to 
sip it, get to know it, to pull, I think, all of the nuances out of it. Um, by nature, sake has a third to half the acidity of wine. So for a lot of wine drinkers, mm-hmm. they're just searching for that acidity, and it's not really there. No tannin, no acid. Well, it could be a little bit of tannin, but... Yeah, there's no tannin, though. So all sake is gluten-free, sulfite-free, tannin-free, um, vegan. They just don't really market it that way because it's been since the beginning of sake. I don't think they can say vegan. Vegan! So, <laughs> I can do that. This is delicious. Now, when we think about the temperature of sake and the vessel in which we pour sake into and buy. Uh, obviously, when you go to the uh, sushi joint or Japanese place, you you get the little uh, sort of the teacup. It's a tiny little cup. Sure. And otherwise, sometimes you get the square for masu. wood. The masu. It's, I can't call it a cup. It's just the vessel. Mm-hmm. Um, why is it the small one? Is that Why is that traditional? That's just more be. Uh, Customs in Japan, um, when you're drinking sake together, you always want to be looking out for your friend or the person in your party. You never want to refill your own sake. So it's just a way that they're just such um, an overly polite, gracious culture that they're always, you know, refilling for each other. And um, but I think that's been sort of a, a handicap for our culture because we get a small cup in our hand and we shoot it. So you're supposed to sip out of it. But we tend to drink it fast. And so a lot of people, I think, think all sake tastes the same, where, I mean, it's just as vast as wine. And pizza. Yes. Well, and that all pizza tastes the same? And no. that it doesn't. No, right. it's exactly. Cause right. there's, and there's a million pizzas out there, and a lot of them are good, and a lot of them are just regular pizza. I need that. That'll satisfy me now. Um I like that. What's the alcohol here? Is this 17 or 15? This is 15.5. See, I thought it was a little lighter. And um, this isn't a white clear bottle. Um, And you said sake is a a very stable uh, beverage. Yes. Uh, Does the color bottle mean anything? Um, I think it's more for marketing purposes. Um, You know, opaque or darker bottles will... um, maybe hold the sake a little bit better in case it's exposed to sunlight or heat. Um, but As a lot in Wajimaya, times, when you look so, at those big, that big wall of sake and all those bright uh, fluorescent lights, right. but they're all wrapped up in boxes and things like that. So they, they actually move through a lot of sake, so you rarely see sake on the shelf too long. Is there a date? Is there a, a freshness date? Or what do they call it? Born on? Is this Budweiser taking over? Oh, good question. So on a lot of sake bottles, you will find a date now. Um, sometimes on the lower right-hand corner on the back, that's actually the shipping date. It's not the bottling date. It's not the expiration date. Not the disgorgement date. Not the disgorgement date. Nope. It's just it's the date in which um, the sake leaves the brewery, um, and from then from that date you want to drink the sake within one to two years of, of purchasing it. Okay. Yep. And then when you open it, you have a couple weeks to drink it. So right. yeah, <laughs> a couple hours. I heard. It's an hour. <laughs> All right. Um, that was uh, Flight of the Crane. Yes. And uh, it was a Junmai Daiginjo, means polished to 50%. Yes. And only using four ingredients, not the brewer's alcohol. Correct. Uh, second sake comes from a blue bottle. This is called? Fukuju. Fukuju. Kukuk Fukuju. Fukuju. Good fortune. Blue label. Junmai Ginjo. Junmai Ginjo. So this is not Daiginjo. It is Ginjo, which it refers to a level of polishing. You got it. So uh, to be labeled a Ginjo sake, the rice has to be polished to 60%, 40% milled away, 60% is left for the brewer to work with. Um, and Fukuju is special because it's um, served at the Nobel Prize banquet every year in Stockholm since 2012. Really? Yes. Now, how did they find sake in Stockholm, I wonder? Well, Delicious, I, I guess. It's it's beautiful. It's one of the most, you know, just 
the pretty, crowd-pleasing, well-balanced. It's such a gorgeous sake. Um, and it came mm. to the banquet um, because in 2012, a Japanese scientist won the um, Nobel Prize for inventing the LED light, and they wanted to have something more authentic to, to toast for him instead of bu- champagne or bubbles. So they used Fukuju because he's from the prefecture where the spurry is. And then they everybody loved it so much they never went back to bubbles. They still use that to this oh, day. Oh, it's delicious. Now, Thank this you. has more of that melon pear note to me. Um, it's uh, it seems a little I don't say lighter, but it has more body. There's some there's more weight to this one. Mm. I could see, yeah maybe I mean, a little more sweetness. A little bit more sweetness. Yeah, that's what it is. And I think that these are actually two really good um, versions of a ginjo and a daiginjo, where the daiginjos get lighter, um, cleaner. You know, it's hard to kind of pull out those flavors. Ginjos are going to be generally speaking more fruit forward, floral, bright, luscious, um, and so. That's just kind of a general um, taste profile of a good Junmai Ginjo sake. I like this comparison. Both high quality, both lovely, um, obviously polished and, and delicious, uh, very pleasant. And again, the theory, you're searching for the flavors, and yet it lingers like a quality wine. Um, when is this the right temperature for you? I mean, when you think about the sake times you, you've had sake, would you want this more cold? Because I think when you think of beer drinkers, mm-hmm. people, oh, ice cold beer. Well, you know, that's not really give you the flavor. Right. But sake, you would probably want less cold because you want some of the nuances to really show themselves. I agree. So just, you know, um, just kind of what you would do, chill a nice white wine to um, is great with sake. You don't want to make it too cold because the flavor will close up. Um, and then just letting it sit out on the table, I mean, letting it, uh, the temperature warm up will give you a whole new experience. All right, so if we're at a sake, uh, sake restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> sake bar. If we're at a Japanese restaurant, can we ask for the big glass? Sure, absolutely. So they don't have to get the little, it's like, all right, tell you what, you know, and um, I don't know, there's not a lot in there. Right. I mean, and it seems like less than a shot, really, um, and it goes down so smooth. And, True. Uh, and what are some of the cheers, the toasts? Kanpai. Kanpai, which means? Empty your cup. <laughs> <laughs> and you're wondering why we can't, you know, Americans just shoot it. Uh, too funny. Okay, so the first one was uh, the Flight of the Crane. The second one is called? Fukuju. Fukuju. Yes. Uh, that's a funny name. Um, <laughs> and th- the next one we're going to try after this break? Is Takatenjin, Sword of the Sun. Sword of the Sun. Yes. Takatenjin. Yes. And is that how they say it? Oh, Takatenjin. So that sounds, see, you're drinking sake and you got uh, it. That's now. right. That's all it takes. <laughs> I thought uh, I had eggs in Hong Kong when I was three. I thought that made me Chinese, but um, they just tasted funny. So <laughs> <laughs> I've got sake. I'm turning some kind of knees. Uh, that's called Happenese. And uh, I've got Jennifer Ross, the sake expert here for Young's Market Company, uh, sharing some great beverages. It's called sake. So stick around, folks. We've got another, uh, another break coming up. And we come back, I'm going to drink more. What the heck? (laughs) He's back and he's in charge. Kirby Wilbur, live and local weekdays, 9 to noon. Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back to round three. I've got uh, three glasses of sake right in front of me and uh, our lovely guest, Jennifer Ross. 
the sake expert for Young's Market Company here in Seattle. She's brought uh, six beautiful uh, brewed beverages called sake from the country of Japan uh, and not United States. United States, I think, is the second largest producer of sake, perhaps, right? I think so. That is. Yeah. And uh, we just tried a Junmai Daiginjo. We just tried a Junmai Ginjo. Yes. And now we have a... Tokubetsu Honjozo. Honjozo, which means a little brewer's alcohol, which is uh, either Nutri-Grain Spirit or made from sugarcane, has been added to this just to help fortify, to give it some body or lighten it up and... Lighten the body and bring out the aromatics of the sake. Aromatics. I'm all about aromatics. All right, what do we got? What's the name of this one? It's the, called... What does that mean? Tuku... Tokubetsu means special. So sort of like what a reserve wine is in the world, wine world. Um, not There's no law of why a brewery will call their sake tokubetsu. Um, sometimes, like in this case, um, this brewery has a great ginjo or junmai ginjo that they're already selling. They're milling the sake to a ginjo polish, but they've added a little brewer's alcohol, And but they don't want to call it a ginjo maybe to, maybe to compete with the ginjo that they're selling. So they'll call it tokubetsu honjozo. So. Mm. Or maybe a sake brewery is um, using a different yeast than the, the you know, rest of the sake in their portfolio. So it's just maybe like a marketing term, something to kind of separate it and give them another mark to sell these sake. Well, it's delicious. It's It uh, has a little more glycerol. Is that from the alcohol? It's, it seems a little more round and polished here. Agreed. Um, but it has a little more weight to it as well. And just a bit of the warmth from alcohol. I mean, I get a little bit sure. of, I don't, I don't call it a gin note, but there's just a some heat. You know, I agree. I think a lot of them taste, um, and it's interesting because they're not higher in alcohol. So they'll add the brewer's alcohol, then they'll still add the water to bring it down, but they can drink a little bit hotter. Um, They're also a little bit more muted and well-rounded. Um, mellow, you know, those all, uh, even the most savvy sake drinker, if you blind taste tested them, it'd be really, really hard to um, pick out a Junmai versus a Honjozo. It's not an easy thing to do. But the best way to kind of look for it is Junmais tend to be very sharp and focused, um, and uh, Honjozos are very mellow, well-rounded. Um, okay. Yeah. And uh, let's talk about price point. Uh, obviously, okay. the pretty white bottle called the Junmai Daiginjo um, has got a very shiny gold cap on it. Yes. Um, kind of like the Grosch cap. What does that run? So, uh, well, In a, wholesale? At, at, or? No, no. <laughs> our, our, our listeners cannot buy wholesale. Let's say, That's to say true. retail at Wajamaya. Wajamaya. This is going to be around $90. All right. Yeah. And then uh, I might have some more, some more of that. Uh, Great. <laughs> I hope you do. The um, second one is the... Junmai Ginjo. Right. Um, um, it's going to be around forty dollars wholesale. Okay. Yep. And the uh, taku takatenjin, the tokubetsu honjozo is, gosh, it's going to be low thirties, I would say. All right. Yeah. Um, it's I, I, not having sake as a regular diet or a regular part of my diet. I should get back into that. Um, <laughs> the honjozo always seemed to be something that, for some reason, had a I don't know, just just the misconception of being something more simple and more, it's like steel reserve two on one. That's the kind of how I put it. This is the okay. old English of sake, right? We oh, add a little more booze to it, a little more alcohol. Maybe that's what it is, but it's not. This is really just a style that is um, can be equally as uh, delicious and evocative, yes. but um, and it's just a different vehicle. Exactly. I know. I agree. I think maybe alcohol added sake had a bad stigma because 
after World War II when for, sake first started getting imported into the U.S., it was there were rice shortages, and that they was were, way after World War II. It was so, um, so <laughs> no, I mean when it was coming, you know, coming over, people were drinking. And there was rice shortages, and they yes. were adding copious amounts of alcohol to make the yields bigger, and oh, we were right. getting That's really. Where it started then, huh? It was. It was yeah. before we had domestic breweries that you know now produce a lot of our inexpensive sake, and they're not allowed to add any alcohol. The domestic breweries, but prior to those setting up shop here, um, we were getting poorly made sake, pretty crappy sake. So they were heating it to hide the flaws, hide it, yeah. and um, and it's not that way anymore. There are no rice shortages. Um, Honjozos, they can't add as much brewer's alcohol as they want. It's a very controlled amount that each brewery has to abide by, and um, it really is just to make two different styles that the brewery can showcase. So I love it. Yeah. Wow. This is so, what a treat. You know your stuff. This is great. Thanks. All right, you have two more sakes for me, yes. and uh, which one are we trying first? So first we're going to try the food. Fukuchu. Fukucho. I'm sorry, forgive me. I, I, got, I mixed up my Fukuchu and my Fukucho. <laughs> so, <laughs> I like they're all screw cap, though. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> it keeps it's it fresh. Fukucho screw cap. Fukucho. So, Fukucho Forgotten Fortune. It's a Junmai style sake. So, this one, um, they, she's it's a female um, head brewer, a female toji. Uh, she only has less five people, including herself, working at her kura. So very, very small production. Um, she's only polishing this rice to 75%, so 25% milled away. Um, most sake is polished to 70%. Yeah. So she chose, she really wanted to showcase the character of the rice. Um, she's using an heirloom rice that she like revived herself um she you know brought this rice hot tanso she got was able to get some seedlings um into uh her hands and she started planting it because she'd heard it made fantastic sake because planting and harvesting rice is so easy so i mean these brewers it's a labor of love oh even more so than i mean it's amazing what they do so she's planting this rice to see if she liked the sake that hot tanso makes and she did so once she decided she wanted to use it she taught the local rice farmers she contracts out to how to grow the rice for her so she could brew the sake. Wow. Um, this is really an approachable sake. It uh, it has a little more character to it. it it's mm -hmm. less um, polished, but it's still a, a, a very beguiling kind of beverage here. It's got the good fruit. You've got the melon and pear again, the mm -hmm. splash of citrus, but it has a little more texture. Yes. Um, I th And that comes from the milling. You know, the idea with the milling is the less you mill. And that's, I think, also something I want to bring up is that th it's not because Junmai or less expensive sake is poor quality. It really just goes into how much um, labor goes into the production is what determines the price point of the sake. All right. So... Daiginjos being the most pricey, and they're very, very beautiful, but you're polishing the rice so small that you're polishing all that character away. What happens to that rice? So, they, must put it, they make rice starch or rice flour Yeah, or it's rice flour. So That's farms it. for livestock feed, cracker companies, cosmetic companies buy it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, that was lovely. Uh, the Fukucho. Fukucho. Yes. And the other one was... Uh, the next one is Soku from um, an importer. Soku. That, Soku from oh, yeah, uh, Enter Sake. And I wanted to bring this. You know, it's not um, as authentic. It's actually a Prosecco bottle that this brewer is using because he went to Italy with his wife and loved the size of 500 milliliter Prosecco bottles for a party of two. So um, he actually only produces 3,000 cases total of the sake a year, and the U.S. only gets 200 cases of it. Um, it's one of the smallest breweries, not only in Kyoto, but in Japan. Um, and it's just a really, um, like a sake geek's sake. All right, I'm going to geek out. All right. Um, this is got a mouthfeel. This has it, uh, it is. of 
a viscosity to it, and it's sort of the uh, the palate. It's it's lithe on the palate, but it swashes the palate, so it kind of lays on your palate, um, kind of like just a wave, and it just dissipates. Mm. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I... I'm struggling here for sake. Is just such a, a, a there's no lemon, there's no lime, there's no you know pear. Right. I mean, there's some pear here, but it, it's uh, is there a lexicon for sake descriptors? Uh, there is. You know, a lot of the the websites and the literature out there is getting better and better about um, you know giving people sort of a guideline on what they can try and pull out as far as aroma and flavor because it's such a mysterious little beverage. So, um, but it should be very palate cleansing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's always uh, it's very clean. It is. And there's no, I mean, I love yeasty characteristics we get in champagne or sherry and things in Chablis. Um, this has a very, very faint hint of it, but it's sure. kind of like a rice lees where it's more of a creamy and light, doesn't have the uh, the baked bread. It's just more of a white uh, white flavor. Right. I agree. I, I think you can really taste the rice with these last two. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, making me hungry, but I need some teriyaki so, chicken okay. now. <laughs> or some maguru. So uh, some of the places that host the on-premise restaurants that have your sakes? Oh, my gosh. Uh, sushi Kashiba, um, Sushi Kapo Tamura, Mashiko, Umi, Momiji. Um, All right, so everybody's got them. They know sake. They they do. Uh, Seattle sake scene is getting better and better, um, you know. I, it's, it's a, it's a great you. time. It's a great time to go out and drink sake. So. I love it. So we have an aperitif sake. I've seen sparkling sake. And there's something that's known as a dessert sake. Or nigori sake. A nigori sake. Nigori sake. Uh, nigori sake. Nigori means cloudy. Everybody calls it unfiltered. Um, it's coarse filtered. So um, if a brewer wants to make a nigori sake, then they'll coarse filter so some of the unfermented rice comes through. So uh, okay. that's what so, gives it that milky, cloudy texture. It's like a Hefeweizen. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, a little bit of the leaves, a little bit of the yeast, a little you more flavor, it. but you don't add lemon. No. No. This does have nice citrus notes to it, though. I one love I it. All right, so we've just tasted five sakes. We have one more. It's called the Nigori Sake. It's got uh, some of the leaves or the, the rice in it, and it, it looks white. And they traditionally serve it in a... Square vessel? Uh, it's square or the little or ceramic round. cup or or round. <laughs> yep. The sake has no. Um, it seems like. Oh, it seems like yeah, there's any way to drink it, especially in the paper bag down on the. <laughs> no, just kidding. Hey, folks, we've got one more sake with Jennifer Ross, the Young's Market uh, sake expert, right here on Happy Hour Radio. Start your day the right way. John Carlson, live and local, 6 to 10 a.m. Talk Radio 570, KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, everybody. Hey, welcome back to Happy to Sake Hour Radio. We are here in uh, KVI. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, with Jennifer Ross, who's the local sake expert with Young's Market Company. Uh, we've got Sake Fest this Wednesday, June 21st. It's Sake Fest PDX. Sake Fest in Portland. SakeFestPDX.com. Uh, it's 150 plus sakes, micro brewed, premium, and rare sake. Uh, the tickets are 75 bucks. It's 5:30 to 9. You can take the train down there and uh, leave like after lunch. And you'll be back by midnight, um, and you'll be so you'll be so smart uh, with knowing all about this sake. We've got uh, asahi, asahi, um, oh, Burnside choya. Well, 
Ozeki. Uh, some of these aren't really jumping out on me, but uh, there's a lot. There are a lot, <laughs> and you got some great food down there, and I'm excited. You're gonna go. We're gonna be down there together. Yes. Um, we'll, maybe we'll do a remote interview and for, for later. But you kept one special sake for last. What is this? I did. I brought a Dewatsudu. It's a Junmai Nigori. Uh, and I brought it because Nigori has this um, conception that it's all sweet, creamy Nigori. So, and this one, I think, is just a little bit more sophisticated, maybe for lack of a better word, but very clean, um, soft, and not sweet. Um, nigori can, there's a whole spectrum within that style of sake. And, and all styles of sake, for that matter, right? Very true. And now, is there a meter that someone can take a bottle and look at the label and go, I know, like, Riesling's had that trouble for so long. Is it sweet? Is it sour? Is it There tart? is. There's an SMV. Um, it's called an SMV scale on some bottles of sake, but I think people are kind of moving away from that, the um, importers and the brewers, just because it's more of a lab term. Um, but if you do see an SMV scale, the idea is, you know, negative numbers are sweeter, Plus, higher it, numbers are drier. Sense. Yeah, so, no it does, I mean, really, it's just about buying them, t drinking them, and figuring out what you like. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm waiting for the sake six pack. Do they have that yet? Uh, sake in a can? We do. Yeah. Oh, we do. We do. Yeah. Sweet. So, yeah. I can take sake when There's I'm sake out. in cartons. Cartons. Uh, sake mm. in kegs. Do they have powdered sake? So, uh, not, this is pretty much the powdered sake. <laughs> okay. So, Nagori is a style which actually has some of the rice leaves in it or the rice uh, yes. left over. So, it's partially filtered, coarse filtered, if you will, which means it's taken out all the the big grains and just leaving you this beautiful um it's really milky white it reminds me of uh, ambrosia to some degree if i mm. ever had ambrosia but this is how <laughs> i would envision it except for some flowers and a greek god next to me um <laughs> you can drink this anytime or is there a special pairing that you might suggest nigori with anytime i mean it's next to you know the warm house sake is the most affordable and then the next most popular style is nigori sake um Personally, for me, I don't want to drink nigori with sushi all the time because it's so much rice on rice. But I think with spicy food, it's delicious. Certainly with dessert um, and blue cheese, it's really, really good. Um, so those would be my... They got blue cheese in a Japanese so, restaurant. They do. Well, they have it in Japan. Or just at home, you need to do sake cheese pairing. It's oh, amazing. It. And the does this have a special name? Uh, uh, it's just Dewatsudu. Dewatsudu. Yes. Wow, it just rolls off the tongue. Daywat Sudaru. <laughs> um, it's a beautiful uh, color, and it's it's very, very pleasant. It uh, reminds me a little bit of almond milk, but without too much almondy flavor. I mean, mm -hmm. it's that pleasant, although even almond milk can be a little bitter. But this is so silky. It's got so much uh, creaminess from the rice. It sort of coats the palate, and um, it's... Uh, so smooth. Oh, good, good. I wanted to bring a good one for you. So you've brought six. Okay. <laughs> um, this is fantastic. We can find sakes um, online. Is there a website that people might go to to find more, learn more about sake? Uh, you know, John Gottner is, um, you know, one of the big authorities in sake education, and his is sake-world.com, um, and he has a wonderful website. Sake-world.com. Sake-world. All right, sake-world. Sake-world.com. And, uh, you know, if you if there's a favorite sake of yours and you go to the importer's website, um, every importer is getting better and better with videos of the breweries and um, education and information. Subtitles. So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> wow, this <laughs> is such a treat. Yeah. I love it. Jennifer Ross, thank you so much for sharing six great sakes, and uh, I look forward to seeing you at Sake Fest in Portland, June 21st, which is this Wednesday. Sounds great. Thank you, Chris. Awesome. Uh, folks, I do love sake. I love sherry. I love manzanilla. I love champagne. You know me. I like it all um, in moderation, of course, and if you want to actually get a chance to 
learn it all and taste it all, you have to join me for Psalm Summit. It's coming up July 9th, 10th, and 11th. It's over at South Seattle Community College. It's actually South Seattle College campus, home of Northwest Wine Academy. We're going to have the wines of Bordeaux, the wines of Napa, New Zealand, Lustau, Sherry, Remy Martin Cognac, Bull Run Distillery, uh, Beers of the World with Pike Brewing. Um, we've got the Psalm Journal hosting a couple events. We've got Wine Bid, and we've got Woodenville, Woodenville Wine Company, some of the best Washington Syrahs in the world. It's all happening July 9, 10, 11. You can uh, sign up for two and a half day symposium, or you can sign up for one day. And even you can uh, get off of work on Monday night and head over for the trade tasting reception, which is 530 to 9. It's, uh, gosh, food and wine and champagne and perhaps a little bit of sake. Uh, SomSummit.com. It's coming up July 9, 10, 11. It's uh, International Wine and Spirits Symposium. I'm hosting it. I will be there. I want you to be there. Learn more about the world of wine. You can listen to my show you want, but now you have a chance to taste. And remember, folks, when you're out tasting, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers! Cheers!